Failure is not an option. What difference at this point does it make? Nobody said it was going to be fun. This is Real Talk, a fearless, poignant, and intrepid show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. It's a shame, not of this world, so we live on the run. We keep our eyes set, eyes on what is to come. It happened before, it will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Dr. Peter Hammond. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you so much, Audrey. Always good to be back with you on Real Talk. It's always great to have you with us. And um, so we're going to jump in right here. Uh, Biden's Afghanistan disaster, I'm actually being kind by calling it a disaster. It's far worse than that, has um, handed Afghanistan to the Taliban. Uh, of course, we find it very hard to believe that he didn't do this on purpose. It wasn't intentional. And it appears as a win for Islamic terrorism. Uh, and do you see it as emboldening terrorists globally? Uh, I mean, is it possible that they're being emboldened by this? Oh, how could they not? This is this is a mega victory for them. It's not just a symbolic victory, which it is. Uh, the U.S. Embassy that used to have the rainbow LGBTQ flag flying over it for the whole month of June, by the way, uh, yeah. but uh, now it's got not just... Uh, the Taliban flag over it, but uh, they're occupying in the presidential palace. And isn't it interesting that they could be having their press conferences using their Twitter, Google, and Facebook accounts? Uh, President Trump isn't allowed to use Twitter, Google, and Facebook. They banned him, even though he had 34 million followers on (laughs) Facebook alone. Uh, But the Taliban can. Uh, Isn't it interesting how Google uh, cannot seem to deal with pornography on the internet, but uh, yeah. they can sure scrub any criticism of Red China and enable the Red Chinese censors to control anything going in and out of China. And they can uh, allow the Taliban to make use of these platforms, but they can't allow someone that 78 million Americans voted for. Uh, something seems wrong there, but it's not just a symbolic victory for them. It's a physical victory. They're not only gained control of the country, but the phenomenal resources America built up and billions and billions, something like 80 something billion dollars of high tech weaponry left for the Taliban. It'll make the Taliban the very best equipped terrorist group in the world. And 
it's hard to imagine that this isn't going to be a monstrous inspiration to terrorists all over the world thinking if you just fight long enough, America will not only surrender, retreat, betray, but they'll leave you a whole lot of good weapons and then they'll be talking about sending you foreign aid. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've uh, we've talked before about uh, China, you know, I mean, China has got their tentacles everywhere. But now we have, um, they. Uh, there's talk that they plan to take over the Bagram Air Base. I mean, because it's right it's, near China, it, right? It, it's, it's absolutely insane. My understanding was that President Trump had made uh, all kinds of uh, warning threats and deals with the Taliban, yeah. which they apparently adhered to because there'd be no American lives lost in Afghanistan in the previous 18 months or so. And uh, that uh, even though he intended to withdraw American troops from active combat duty, there still was that America would retain control of Bagram Air Base, much like America still gains uh, controls Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Uh, and has done for a long time, that while America may have withdrawn from Cuba, America still controls Guantanamo Bay. And there's many places in the world where America still has a military airbase at the run. And so uh, I think if they had kept to that plan, look, we're withdrawing from active involvement in the war in Afghanistan, but we'll continue to have an airbase there and provide air support for the Afghan army as needed uh, if you violate these, these, and these requirements. And that was working. There was no reason to close Bagram Air Base. That wasn't even part of the agreement. And considering how many billions and billions of, you know, maybe a trillion dollars that you pumped in Afghanistan, a lot of it went into Bagram Air Base. Why would America abandon such an yeah. asset, not just abandon it, but leave it intact so that a hostile other power such as Red China could take it over? It's hard to believe that that wasn't intentional. I believe it was. I'm, I'm afraid so. And um, if I can go into my history. Now, bear in mind, I've, yes. I'm born and brought up in Africa. I've lived in Africa my whole life, 61 years. And uh, I've been in eight wars. And I well remember back in 1986, being in Jumba, the capital of free Angola in uh, UNITA controlled Angola. There was a civil war there. You remember the Cubans were fighting as the surrogates for the Soviets and trying to enforce the very unpopular MPLA Marxists on the poor people of Angola. Right. Well, Jonas Savimbi was the freedom fighter leading the UNITA, that's the Union for the Total Independence of Angola, freedom fighters. And he said to me and other guests that were there that day, it is better to be America's enemy than America's friend. If you are her enemy, you will probably be bought. But if you are America's friend, you will certainly be sold. Now, Jonas Savimbi was by no means anti-American. In fact, he loved American history and he loved American culture and principles and he would often quote from George Washington and Thomas Jefferson he looked up to America as a city on a hill an example of faith and freedom that he hoped to emulate in Angola but he was referring to the US State Department and its trail of betrayal and I'm afraid I've got too many stories that I can give of where the US government has betrayed its allies and you know if you make a mistake look we all make mistakes you know you're human if you make a mistake once you're human if you make the same mistake twice though you're stupid <laughs> and if you make the same mistake 10, 20, 30, 40 times, you've got a hidden agenda. I mean, nobody can make that many mistakes. And uh, as was pointed out um, by Jonas Vimby, too, that if the American State Department was just stupid, they would have sometimes done something that was to America's benefit. Uh, and they've been so consistently appeasing America's enemies and betraying America's allies, it's hard to take it seriously. So, for example, you may be horrified to know 
that um, in South Africa, a good friend of mine, Ada Parker, documented back in 1977 that the American Embassy Reading Room in Soweto, which is where the riots started, 1976, 16 uh, June, well, Ada Parker did a thorough investigation, discovered that the American Embassy had a reading room in Soweto. What has this got to do with the American Embassy? But they were not stocking books on George Washington and so on. No, no, no. They had books and films and pamphlets and magazines on Vladimir Lenin, Mao Zedong, Karl Marx, Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, and other Marxist revolutionaries. And they were actually subverting, and that's where the revolution began. And uh, I can think of uh, what's the title of Ian Smith's book? Ian Smith, the last prime minister of Rhodesia. His title is The Great Betrayal. Ian Smith said, we were never beaten by our enemies. We were betrayed by our friends. Wow. And perhaps you've read the book, The Shah's Story. Now, the Shah of Iran, who is a wonderful man, uh, and uh, uh, it's just extraordinary. When you read The Shah's Story by Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the last Shah of Iran, he documents the treacherous role of the U.S. State Department under Jimmy Carter, which led to the Islamic Revolution of 11 February 1979, and the end of over 2,500 years of continuous Persian monarchy since the founding of the Persian Empire by Cyrus the Great, which wow. is mentioned in the Bible. And during the last Shah's rule, he ruled for 38 years, Iran went through so many economic, social, political reforms, the country was transformed into a global power. Its national income rose 423 times over uh, in, under the, the Shah. And by 1977, Iran's military was the world's fifth strongest armed forces. And Iran's economic growth rate exceeded the growth rate of the United States, Britain, and France combined. That's how fast they were growing. Wow. So the destabilization and betrayal of Iran, one of America's very best allies and stabilizing force in the Middle East in 1979, continues to have disastrous repercussions to this day. The Middle East wouldn't be in the mess it's in today if it hadn't been for how. Jimmy Carter bullied the Shah into releasing and allowing the return of the Ayatollah Khomeini who caused how much havoc and how many millions of uh, lives lost through the Ayatollah Khomeini's insanity. And we haven't seen the end of it as Iran's trying to bring nuclear weapons and genocide Israel and all the rest of it. And this is just one of 13 countries betrayed by Jimmy Carter's State Department in his worthless four years in office. And I think people have pointed out that what we've got in somebody... Uh, like Biden, we seem to have the worst of Carter and Clinton and Obama combined. I mean, this man, uh, he's just a puppet, it seems, for the New World Order. And can anyone point to anything good that's been done under the Biden White House uh, since January of this year? No. It seems every single thing they've done has been catastrophic. And uh, he inherited a strong economy and a strong military and a strong position. And a situation where America was effectively at some kind of peace in Afghanistan where there'd been no American lives lost in the previous 18 months. How could he have managed to take one of the strongest borders America had ever had, strongest economies, and oil self-sufficiency, and then turned everything around to a place where America was respected in the world stage as a, as a strong ally. Now America's despised, and I'm sorry to say, in many quarters, hated. Yeah. No, of course, and, and they've done that intentionally because they hate, you, know, you You can't survive if the people who are ruling your country hates your own country, and they do, clearly. Yes, they do. They're trying to, to take over, uh, and of course, in, you know, uh, that's a nice segue into the fact that they've used the, uh, you know, a flu virus to, uh, you know, 
well, to crush democracies. That's a nice way of saying it. Now we understand that Nigeria announces that no more church services without a vaccine passport. Now, this is a takeover to me of the church in Nigeria. Will churches fight back? Yes, churches will fight back. I've ministered in Nigeria on a number of occasions, and I've got good friends there. And I can tell you the church in Nigeria is vibrant. It's strong. But uh, you will recall uh, that under Obama, the Christian presidency of uh, uh, President Goodluck Jonathan was betrayed, undermined, and and completely betrayed into the hands of a Muslim dictator uh, by the uh, Obama administration. Yes. And uh, it, it, w- what we've now got running uh, Nigeria is a Muslim man who used to be the dictator. He was a military dictator who had taken power in a coup d'etat, who later was ousted. But he managed to come back in because of the Obama government's deliberate undermining of the strong um, government of Goodluck Jonathan. Goodluck Jonathan would not bow to Obama's LGBTQRS uh, perversion agenda, gay GB and all the rest of it. (laughs) And so as a result, the Obama administration did everything it could to undermine the position of, of the Christian president of Nigeria until this Muslim ex dictator got power. And so what you've now got is uh, dictators all over the world and anti-Christian forces are delighted to have been given this wonderful excuse to persecute the church. Now, it's not persecution church. It's, it's uh, we're enforcing health mandates from the World Health Organization. And uh, yeah. uh, this is to save you from the virus, as though they care. <laughs> yeah, but right. this is what every dictator loves. They get power and you uh, get controlled. And so... What we're seeing in Nigeria is exactly what we've seen in Zimbabwe. We're hearing of Zimbabwean police at the doors, checking that people have vaccine certificates so they're not allowed to go to church, coming to churches, beating the people up, dragging people out, beating the past up, dragging them out, all in the name of fighting a virus. So all over the world, we're reading about everywhere, absolutely everywhere, from India, Iran, in the name of fighting the virus, persecution of Christians has skyrocketed since last year. Uh, so what we're seeing in Nigeria is exactly what you're seeing in Zimbabwe and other places. Tyrants love this. And, you know, <laughs> the fact that they wear a mask while doing it and they do it in the name of the Wuhan Health Organization just makes it all look better for them. Uh, because uh, this isn't politics. Yeah. This is medicine. This is me- yeah, exactly. Well, they just, uh, it's its kind of like uh, Corey Ten Boom's uh, father when he said, uh, just because a mouse lives in a cookie jar doesn't make him a cookie. Uh, just because these mm. people say they're doing it in the name of science doesn't mean it's in the name of science. It's not. It's science fiction, but not science. Well, yes. So uh, we had a very interesting situation just a short while ago in Cape Town. I was at the demonstration. So uh, Dr. Susan Foslu is one of the world's great heart transplant specialists. She has been transplanting hearts since 1988. She is the world's first woman heart transplant specialist. And so Dr. Susan Fosler is a legend here in South Africa, uh, just down the road, Kritiskia Hospital. Uh, she's somebody who was trained under Chris Barnard, and uh, she's, she's one of the most knowledgeable heart transplant people in the world. And she is also the head of the Center for Disease Control, uh, including infectious diseases, AIDS, and so on. Well, she made uh, a statement on a a Zoom conference that the vaccines are more dangerous than the virus and that as a heart surgeon, she's deeply concerned at the trend for far greater 
blood clots, heart attacks and strokes, particularly in men, particularly in young men, yes. after getting these vaccines. Mm -hmm. And therefore would not advise people to take the virus because of the vaccine, because the vaccine is more deadly. And besides which, you don't need a, a vaccine for a virus that you've got a 99.7% chance of survival for. Yeah. Well, the media went hysterical. They went <laughs> berserk, ballistic. You know, she had committed treason, heresy, blasphemy, all rolled up into one. <laughs> oh and suddenly the Medical Council of South Africa is trying to shut her down. Oh, my gosh. She should be, she should be stripped of her uh, credentials. She shouldn't be allowed to practice medicine. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's an idiot. And, oh, so here's the top heart surgeon specialist in our country and one of the top in the world. And she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's only the head of the Center for, Disease, for Infectious Diseases and, yeah. and yeah. Heart Surgery. And uh, uh, just staggering that the bullying of her. Well, I went along and spoke at the demonstration in support of her outside Kreliskia Hospital, which is the hospital where the first heart transplant in the world was performed. And uh, uh, we were, you know, in support of Susan Fosler, and we spoke on that and so on. Well, would you believe it, Audrey? The next thing is my wife's getting hate mail. How could your husband do such a despicable thing what? as to demonstrate against the poor long-suffering medical staff and doctors at Critiscure who are risking their lives day in, day out to help people who are suffering from COVID. And there they are dying to save our people. And there your husband was speaking out against the medical staff of Critiscure. Oh, where did this come from? Oh I went back over all my pictures. I couldn't see a single poster of anyone that was attacking the staff of Critiscure. We were defending a, a, a well-loved doctor from being burned at the stake of public opinion yeah. by the new inquisition <laughs> and uh, the COVID cult uh, inquisition. And well, lo and behold, somebody then directed me to the South African television and a uh, news 24 networks that said we were demonstrating against the staff uh, at Critiscure. Well, oh. that wasn't in the mind of anyone. Talk about fake news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't care at this point. It's, um, it's very disturbing. Uh, this is coming to the point where, well, uh, unfortunately, it's going to come to the point of violence. When we have um, in, in the West, and you have it there, in any, any, um, any form of, of democracy at this point, we have, and it's not my imagination, I've stepped back and everyone can see that there is some communist tentacle suddenly trying to take over democracies. And they're using, of course, this uh, scamdemic. And, they, of course, they're ramping it up again. Watch for the fall. They're trying to say, oh, a new, and there's no, there's no uh, vax for it. Well, there was no vax for the other variants either because people got them even though they got vaccinated once, twice, and some people three times. So, you know, you see what they're doing? If they can control your, your body, it's over. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. And, uh, and then, of course, talking about this madness, we jump into Australia. Uh, they were, of course, originally a penal colony. Uh, well, it looks like they're going back to that because they are like, imprisoning people in quarantine camps for, for a flu virus. They're not even looking at, they say it's for your health. It sounds like the Nazis. This is for your health. This is for the public health. And I'm thinking... For, for a flu virus that has an, yeah, over 99, almost every single, almost everybody that gets it recovers. And what is going on there? It's, it's very sad. And you're quite right. It's like a penal island. I've heard people referring to Australia's prison island, which it is. No one's allowed in. No one's allowed out. And then they often force you 
to lockdown and force people to stay in their homes. And there you've got the police bullying people, attacking. They had 300,000 protesters on the streets of Sydney recently, and the police attacked them everywhere and were arresting people, slamming them into the ground, not because they did anything, but just for being out. So 300,000 people don't have an opinion, don't have a right to have an opinion. And apparently they don't have the right to demonstrate and the police are just ordered to treat them all like criminals. How can you have hundreds of thousands of people peacefully protesting all suddenly condemned as criminals? You would have thought any decent government would say, what are we doing wrong? Right. That you've got you know, mothers with prams and decent, hardworking people who pay the wages and the bills and the rates and the taxes. Yeah, these are normal law-abiding people out here. These, these aren't some kind of skinheads and freaks. This is, uh, right. These are the pillars of society protesting. And then the truckers saying, uh, look, you, you, you can't force us to be vaccinated to be able to cross truck lines. You can just go deliver the things yourselves. And they, they had to take a quick backtrack on that because uh, huge amounts of truckers saying, we're not interested in getting the vax. So uh, what's going on in Australia is so bad there have been people arrested for a post on social media. I've seen the video of this uh, uh, pregnant mother, advanced pregnant, being arrested, handcuffed in front of a family in her home by Australian police. She's saying, why I haven't done anything wrong? Well, actually, ma'am, you have. I haven't broken the law. She said, yes, ma'am, actually you have. What law have I broken? Uh, while handcuffing and dragging out the door. You posted an incitement to on social media that people shouldn't wear masks. So she puts uh, her opinion on social media and that enables them to come into her home and arrest her in front of her kids while she's pregnant and drag her off to jail. This uh, is then insane. there's another one that you've got to see to believe where there's some poor father uh, trying to protect his daughter, holding his young daughter in his arms while a whole lot of police hold him down and forcibly take the child out of his arms to forcibly vaccinate her, drag her away. There's someone in a lab coat and a whole bunch of police. There's about four policemen holding his father down like he's while he's trying to resist. And this poor girl screaming for all she's worth. And they're forcibly vaccinating a girl against the wishes of the father. This is Australia. This it's is, absolutely insane. I, I don't know who this Dan Andrews is, but uh, they they're calling him Dictator Dan. And I'm saying, did you did you people vote for him? Did you know who he was? I no. wonder about that. I wonder because it's insane. It, it, uh, it, it's frightening. Australia. Uh, I don't know if, if um, I ever told you my experience being there some years ago uh, as a guest speaker. And I happened to join a pro-life uh, demonstration outside an abortion clinic. And along came the policeman and um, uh, they were telling us we have to move. And, and my host, who is a pastor, said, why? What law have we broken? I said, no, you're not breaking any law, but I'm, I'm giving you an order to, to leave here. And uh, if you don't move, we will arrest you. And the man said, why? What, what have we done wrong? Well, if you don't move, it would be uh, a refusing to obey an order from a law enforcement officer. But why? What law have we broken? I said, well, you will be breaking one if you stay here in a few minutes' time because I'm writing up this citation. Mm -hmm. Well, I then mentioned, what about the right to... Uh, free speech and uh, freedom of conscience and so on. And man turned on me like uh, a snake. He's, that doesn't sound like an Australian accent. Where are you from? I said, I'm a South African citizen. Show me your passport. And uh, he said, I'm writing down your details here. If you, you are not an Australian citizen, if you attend any uh, demonstration here in Australia, I said, this is a demonstration. We're doing cyber counseling. It uh, doesn't matter. Um, you'll be evicted from this country. I said, you can't evict me from the country. I'm a British citizen as well. And I'm, this is part of the Commonwealth. doesn't matter. You'll be kicked out. I said, Magna Carta. And he said, what the hell's Magna Carta? I said, it's the 
foundation of all law and justice in Australia? And he said, no, it isn't. I said, <laughs> your entire parliament is built over a original copy of Magna Carta. You have Magna Carta in the basement with everything flowing into it. You just had a major ceremony back on the 800th anniversary of Magna Carta in 2015. Mm. The entire parliament, everyone involved in celebrating the foundation of Australia. You've mm. built your entire uh, constitutional monarchy here over Magna Carta. How on earth can you say Magna Carta has no as uh, all the rights and privileges. No, nope, it's got nothing to do with Australian law. And basically the man was, you know, I'm telling you, so that's it. It's no logic. And pastor points out, you know, they're killing babies now. Um, well, that's none of my concern, he said. And then the pastor came out with something interesting. He said, do you know that abortion is still against the law in Queensland? Apparently, they've never legalized abortion in Queensland. They're just tolerating it. Oh. Well, that's interesting. And then the policeman raised his hands and said, that's above my pay grade. And then he put his hands down and he continued writing a ticket to us. That's Australia. That's Australia. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is, this is uh, well, I, I just hope the Aussies are waking up. Uh, I hope it's not too late for them, but uh, either stop it now or, or it's over. Peter, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and purchase your books? Where can they do that? Thank you. Well, you can email me at peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za, I think you would say. And our website is frontlinemissionsa.org. So it's frontlinemissionsa, SA being for South Africa, frontlinemissionsa.org is the website. And peter at frontline.org.za is my email. Excellent. And as always, I'll have those links in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to audreyrusso.com, click on the on-air button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Peter just shared. Thanks so much again, Peter, for sharing your brilliant assessments with us. We look forward to your return to the show. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Amen. Thank you.